Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we are here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. True. Catherine. I'm astounded my voice sounds wonderful right now. I'm astounded that I am upright and mostly making sense so far. I love your shirt. Thank you. I, this is like... Scoop neck? Yeah, it's, we call it a scoop neck. <laughs> I, I, my plan is to wear it under the hoodie I will put on mm. shortly but I get so hot when we record because we get all we get we, activated we get all activated <laughs> so I don't like to put on the hoodie before we start yeah by the way there was a Twitter exchange about us saying activated instead of triggered yeah and I think that's great also it's different than triggered triggered mm-hmm. is different than activated totally so it's all a couple people who are like why don't you make up a new word it's like well no 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 yeah words have meaning in different ways words do have meaning so activated you heard it here first thing. yeah <laughs> but they but I feel like a couple of people in the thread were like they appreciate that we use it very cool yeah. Very cool. Hey, listen, do you have opinions? Nice ones? Tweet at us at strugglebuspod. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Instagram.com slash the strugglebuspod. Use the hashtag strugglepodbuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Strugglebuspodcast.com to become a bonus member for as little as $5 a month. We have a new bonus episode coming up. We do. So when you become a member, you get monthly bonus apps. There's 15 up there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you get, Sally, tell them what they get besides just that and who our next guest is because I'm dying. Catherine, if there was ever a time to become a bonus member of the Struggle Bus, it is the month of February, uh, the year of our Lord, 2018. Uh, so, okay, first of all, let me just say that if you donate uh, as little as $5 a month, you get a card in the mail that says never ride alone. Never, never ever, ever. It's a... It's a it's a struggle bus yellow color. You can write your name on it. It's about the size of a business card. And uh, it's basically your little uh, card to swipe onto the struggle bus of life. Yes. Just, and on, oh, no, no, go, go. Who's our guest? Okay, so um, our guest for our February bonus episode is going to be the one and only Rachel Wilkerson Miller. Uh, Who's that? <laughs> uh, so Rachel has many claims to fame, one of which is she's a published author. She's a senior lifestyle editor at BuzzFeed. I really hope I got her title right. Sorry, Rachel. I think that's right. Uh, And she is the person who you may know as the person who uh, asked Joe Biden um, if he would do anything differently. Joe Biden to task. Yeah, she's the one who actually asked Joe Biden the question that We've all been wanting to ask him for many a year. Um, and she asked him in front of a big old audience. Big old and it audience. it was pretty fucking amazing. I'm so, and, and she gave me a Mystery Science Theater DVD collection, the one I'm missing out of my entire collection. And, um, oh, shit. I didn't know uh, that. That's cool. Yeah, I told you it was the one I don't have. Oh, damn. Yeah, you're right. You did. Okay. Yeah. And what else did she? I don't know. She's pretty rad. She's great. She's done a lot of amazing things. Um, We've never met you guys. I'm so excited. Yeah. That Catherine Rachel never met. It's going to be real fun. Um so she's going to be on our bonus episode and she's going to be answering questions. I think maybe we're not sure, but maybe about like work and career. Yes. No, that's a great topic. Yeah. Uh, I just have to make sure she <laughs> I have to make sure she consents to that. But if not that, then something else. Um, and so if you want to hear her delightful voice and her wisdom and also ours, you should become a member. 
and uh, it's going to be great. Yeah, strugglebuspodcast.com for info. Hey, want to become a member of the Facebook group? That's free. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Give us the email you use to log into Facebook. And if it doesn't work the first time, if you get a confirm email from me saying, hey, we just added you, and you didn't get the email that uh, denotes that you're added, hey, Courtney, um, delineate. Sorry, that's a kids in the hall joke. Oh, from okay. way back. Fair enough. Um, she's listening. Hey, uh, just email us back and be like, hey, you know what? I didn't get in. That's okay. Uh, 50% of people don't because Facebook's complicated. You probably have a filter on them uh, that doesn't even go to your trash. Probably goes straight to your please don't ever show me this. Mm-hmm. In which case, I can get you in another way. Just let us know. And tweet it to uh, Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. Very, very small announcement. I'm mm. allowed to say this. Ooh. From a former and also current uh, special guest, been on bonus episodes and live shows. Uh, Molly Neffel, Radio Dispatch, yeah, and her husband Gideon Orion, Orion Oliver are expecting a little person. <gasps> well, that did is you not exciting. know that? I knew that. I you saw did. her, but I was trying to. I feel like people want to yeah. see the look when they announce pregnancies. Of, but you like, know, in Sex and the City, where like Miranda fakes the 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 reveal of the sex when she's like, oh, I don't remember that. They were like, it's a boy, and they're like, she's like, okay, <laughs> you know. I felt that was your response. Oh no, I'm I'm totally excited. Um. If anyone should make a copy of themselves, oh, absolutely. it's probably Millie Neffel. I hope there's so many of them. So congrats, guys. It's uh, so exciting. All right. Opening jibber-jabber. So uh, we have a lot to talk about. First of all, I guess we should start with why we're late. Yeah. Quick. Oh, good call. I yeah. All right. Um, so you're getting this day of. We can actually do current event news if we wanted to. But oh, we're boy. Not that kind Breaking. Breaking. <laughs> I haven't looked at the news yet today, and I don't want to. <laughs> Breaking! Something terrible just happened. You're yeah. really sad and scared. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. Great day, you guys. Everyone is good right now. Okay. Um, so good to be here. We missed you. Yes, we did. We were going to record, but uh, person number one, mm-hmm. I'm raising my hand, mm-hmm. had a stomach bug that turned into a very, uh, let's just say, no need to go into details. <laughs> you all know what it is. You get it. Uh, but Sally, had I not canceled on you, the exact time I would have been en route to you is when it officially kicked in. Ooh. So we were happy that we oh, made that boy. decision. I am real glad you called that. Thank you. So then, of course, you know, it's a 24-hour <laughs> thing. I was like, I feel much better. Sally. And then... <laughs> yeah, when you were ready to record because you were feeling better, I was like, here's the thing. Yeah. I am half dead. How are you feeling? I'm feeling better. I'm feeling like I am like about 75, 80% of a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, not firing on all cylinders, but not firing on zero cylinders. You had the so most good. divisive tweet I've ever seen I've yours. never, I've never alienated more people. In a, <laughs> listen, you guys, uh, I have a lot of opinions, as you know. <laughs> I'm never one to hide my opinions. But one of my most mild and uncontroversial opinions really whipped people into a froth on Twitter. (laughs) I've never I've never had so many replies. That's not true. Rarely do does one tweet get like so many replies. But basically what I tweeted was that the worst thing about being sick is that you have to drink tea. Mm. Now, listen, you guys, (laughs) tea is fine. Tea doesn't need a defender. (laughs) Tea, (laughs) Tea is batting a thousand. I prefer coffee and I think that's okay. And being sick is rough because you want to drink tea because it feels better on your throat than coffee. Coffee's not as, for me, coffee is not as appealing when I'm sick, but I really, really love coffee. And, and the way I feel about tea is it's fine. (laughs) And the way I feel about coffee is it's fantastic. Ginger ale, lemonade, different things. Totally different things. Right tool for the job, depending on what you need. Thank you. So I, I tweeted that and people, so two people were like, oh man, I feel you. Like, 
I prefer coffee. And one person was like, yeah, I'm sick and I miss coffee. And I was like, yes, that is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And then like a bunch of people were like, tea is really good. (laughs) (laughs) And people we know and love were like, Sally, I love you, but. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I was like, listen, you guys, like we can all have our opinions about tea. Um, but it was I interesting. I, I, on the one hand, though, I have to say, I feel good that people have the emotional bandwidth to be so responsive to something so banal. Like, because, you know, lately we're so um, absorbed in, like, terrible things yeah. that are happening. I'm glad that people are like, you know what? I still have a little left in the tank to re- reply to this tweet about tea. Um, big ups to the person who called it leaf water. Yeah, totally. <laughs> big ups, big ups. So listen, you guys, thank you for sharing your tea opinions with me. And uh, I'm going to see if I can outdo the divisiveness of that tweet by tweeting about, how, you know, abortion rights or how mm. God doesn't exist. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and also, real quick update on Riverdale. We're talking about the show still oh, holding yeah. up. You have a good update. I do. So the tech person, Leia from the New York Neo Futurist, what is going on, Leia? Hi. Uh, updated me in a text. First of all, thanks for listening. I forget people from the show listen, which is great. And they said, loving your stuff about Riverdale and Struggle Bus. I have info on a stuff. Uh, I was obsessed with Betty and Veronica comics as a kid, and I'm super digging the show, even though it's pretty ridiculous. They officially announced in the comics that Jughead is ace. There was a buzz they might continue that with the show. Um, Spoiler alert, they didn't, et cetera, et cetera. And also, uh, Perry the Platypus is from Phineas and Ferb, which is a fantastic show. And I remember I I actually did remember after we were talking, but I didn't feel like going back into it. But Phineas and Ferb, guys, get into it. Leia, thank you. Okay. Wait, um, <laughs> the platypus is amazing. I'm so Thank glad you. that came You're gonna back love up. It. Um, I stopped reading Archie in like 1989. So that's why I didn't know about that storyline. Mm. But that sucks because in the show, so far, he doesn't seem to identify as asexual because he's they don't hitting well, that spo- R.E. Can I? Oh, don't maybe tell I should. Me. Sorry, sorry. Oh it's, shit, you don't know yet. Oh my no, god. No, I'm still in the beginning. Oh, I feel so bad. It's fine. I I get it. But well, Leia I'm, already I'm so spoiled it for me. But I'm, I'm so still going to watch say it. Who? Anyway, so no. Archie. Yes. Archie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Like they could have addressed that in that show. They addressed like everything. Yeah. It's they, not like it would come out of nowhere. They could have just made him not sexual. They, they could just made him yeah. asexual. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of storylines in that show. They don't need another one. That's so true. Um. um Okay. Sorry, I should rephrase. They do need another one, but not necessarily about fucking. Right. How about that? Yes, I knew what you meant. All right, cool. Let's actually do Jibber Jabber. <laughs> okay, now let's actually go Jibber first Jabber. Or, uh... um, well, I do want to hear both of your things. Oh, boy. Okay, right well, away. the Riverdale update. That, oh, that, that that's that. the thing. Okay, I thought you were going to update me on <clears throat> how you're liking it and where you are in the show. Uh, still in the near beginning stages, third episode, because we're slow. everyone's sick, people are working, right, right. it's been kind of hectic. Okay, so. but you're um, still into it. Yeah, do you, could, do you have time for a little story? I. That's what Excellent. I'm here for. Gather around for I have a story to tell. Content note for bodily fluids. Okay. So I'm going to try to keep this brief. And I am working on this for a storytelling show because this is amazing to me. Okay. You know how like when the universe collides and you're like, and you look up in the sky and go, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. So if I have a guardian person, mm-hmm. uh, they got a great sense of humor and I respect that. Okay. I finished my 11-week run with the New York Neo Futurists. Mm-hmm. Technically, it was a nine-week run, but I did two weeks of best of. It was a long run. It was fantastic. When I first joined the company, I had a few things that I felt vulnerable about. Mm-hmm. One of them is uh, the potential of having to eat hot sauce or jalapenos on stage. That's one of their like go-tos is oh, physical discomfort. And also just something embarrassing, you know, things like that. Yeah. 
get into the company realize you never ever have to do anything at all. If you're ever uncomfortable, you don't have to be in a certain play, which is great. So during my um, six month review, one of the things is we want to see you take more personal risk. Now, Sally, you've seen the show and you know me. I've done literally everything there is to do yes. on stage. Naked, talk about really tough topics. Your first show, <laughs> yeah. you were topless. I was, and not just my underwear, right? Yeah, yeah. as I, I seem to remember. Sure, sure. I think I did a piece about sexual assault. You know, yeah. you know how it is. The huge. Right. So this run, I decided to really go there. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. And I talked about this, I think, on the bonus app, maybe. American Dream Roulette, the play where we put Tabasco in the hot dogs and we have a roulette wheel that I built and whoever has to eat it. It's a shame thing about capitalism. Oh, Brilliant thing I wrote. It's a, it's fine. But when it actually got in, I had a really rough therapy session about that specific play because it's dealing with nuclear war and also dealing with hot sauce. But this is me taking personal risk. So the play gets in and I'm like, wow, this is really, I've never, I was only the hot dog person once, but it wasn't that bad. But I figured out how to dig the hole deeper and put like a lot more hot sauce in. Oh, shit. Number one. Number two, I wrote this really beautiful play where I get into a leotard on stage in front of the audience, buck naked while talking about my gymnastics teacher who molested the students. Beautiful play. That was not risky for me, it turns out. It was great. And then I wrote one that I was sick to my stomach, and I'm not going to go into great detail, called Let's Make a P-Tape. Oh, boy. It's brilliant. It's got a great commentary about fetishes and how fetishes shouldn't be basically the gist of it is the president allegedly is getting um, blackmailed by Putin because there's a P tape mm -hmm. with sex workers in a Russian hotel. And the gist of it is like, hey, let's all make a P tape right now together. <laughs> and if we all do it, there's nothing to be ashamed about. Fetishes <laughs> are totally normal. Yeah. And I knew I would have to have somebody pee on stage and that person would likely have to be me. Um, and, you know, in buckets, my first draft of it had us in a kiddie pool doing it. But listen, it finally got in. Whoa. And I was sick to my stomach. The entire week because I really did. I've never peed on stage. We were covered up. There was nothing to be, quote unquote, embarrassed about. Wait, wait. So, OK, well, you're going to say. Okay. Uh, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say. So this all leads to a point. Uh, I'm so can the audience see you peeing or yeah. is it OK? But like. Are you behind anything or are they they're watching the whole process? Yeah, we're, we're wearing like dresses. So a friend of mine, I won't say their name, did it with me on stage, okay. agreed to do it. And it was great to have a pee buddy. We're wearing like dresses. So okay. it covers up. We're in buckets. It was very well thought out. OK, got it. It went through weeks of pitching and not getting in and me assuming like, you know, and then it was my last week. They're like, fine, you can do pee tape. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is very important to know. OK. So it's the last week and we're doing the P tape and I spent all week just panicking, like mm -hmm. shaking. I'm still like thinking about it. I've never done that on stage. It's weird to not weird to me to pee in front of people, but I was doing something that I didn't know if I could do. Right. So Friday night rolls around drinking so much water <laughs> and everyone's like, what's the worst that could happen? I'm, I'm talking to a couple of people about it and I'm like, all right, fine. And luckily, you know, Fox News the night before was talking about the alleged P tape. So it was in the news. So yeah. it was like perfect. It gets pulled. And by the way, we don't know what order the show's in. Right. But the audience chooses it every night. So towards the end, it gets pulled. I managed to pee. I was so proud of myself. And it just like flo flowed everywhere. I was so excited. Um, and all of a sudden, someone's like, oh, my God. The audience was dying. It was great. Oh, wow. Okay. <sighs> Sally. <laughs> I got I got into the bucket at first. And then I was just so thrilled that I ended up peeing all over the stage. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. And you know when you have that dream as an actor of people laughing at you and you're naked? It, yeah. it was like that. But I was like, oh, my, I, what? But I knew it was great. It worked out. And then one of the next plays called was American Dream Roulette. 
who got who got the hot dog, Sally. And then oh my God. we do a play called Deja Irish Exit where we do the play, the same play from before again. And slowly one of us, one at a time, leave. And I'm one of the last persons to leave. So I had to do oh American God. Dream Roulette again. Oh, my God. And then the monologue was picked. Oh, my where, God. So I couldn't even speak. And there's this hot sauce. And I'm just trying to like to get the words out. The audience is there for it, though. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I beat on. Wow. It was, what it a, was night. a trifecta of humiliation title. And I, after the show, I turned to one of my castmates, Connor, and I was like, I'm never going to live this down. He's like, no, you never will. But in a good way. Holy shit. And luckily, one of the San Francisco Neos was there and their friends were like, we just want to give you a hug. Like, after, like everyone knew, like, wow, you went through it. Yeah, like, that no was shit. watching Catherine Heller specifically going through it but I did it and it was I had I had to laugh because of course I peed on the stage that's incredible of course I did yeah you literally peed on stage on the stage (laughs) but 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 to be fair um my other neo friends uh, I was texting with someone the next day were like yeah I've done that too I missed like they've done that on stage before in other plays right like or missed a bucket or accidentally did a thing and everyone's like Catherine we heard what happened last night kudos and so it was like a rite of passage but the point is the things I was most afraid of uh, it could be worse, and I did it. <laughs> you did them all in a row. Yeah, that's Damn. a long story. So I, I, um, <laughs> the thought of peeing in front of anyone, let alone an audience, is like just makes my blood run cold. Same. I, I yeah. Damn. Anyway. I feel like God was testing you. It was You're like Job. <laughs> It was a very hilarious God who's like, oh, and by the way, <laughs> yeah. by the way, <laughs> the God who has an amazing sense of humor and loves uh, screwball comedies. And it's all on tape. I have that entire play on tape. Wow. Because mm-hmm. it's tape. All right, Sally. Okay. Uh, you yes. had a bad week. Oh, man. I'm still in a bad week. So this, I wrote this down when we were going to record a few days ago, mm-hmm. and I was talking about the week that had gone by, but, you know, as in last week, but this week has been pretty bad, too. Um I everything is fine, you guys, but I am going through something extremely trying mm. in my life that is very stressful and I'm okay. No one worry. Um every the core components of my life that I need to be in place are totally in place and healthy and strong. But uh, I'm going through a thing that's probably the hardest thing I've gone through in a while, if not <laughs> in the top 3 ever. Um And so I was feeling really terrible uh, last week. And then at the end of that week, I got sick, I think because of how run down and stressed out I've been. So um, my jibber jabber is that uh, I feel terrible. And I I started watching The Leftovers. Thoughts. Have you seen it? Yes. The whole thing? Um, I didn't get too into it, but my boyfriend is obsessed with it. Oh, good. Okay. So I, I'm like not clear on like who watches the show. Um, I don't know like who the audience is. Alex does. Alex is okay. (laughs) I would like to start a Leftovers podcast with Alex. Um, I'm really into it. Um, I, it's coming at a time in my life when just like the timing is right for needing something that's like really heavy, uh, really like existential and mysterious and, um, it's working for me. So I've been I've been watching it. I'm already I started it last week and I'm like in the beginning of season three, which is the last season. The acting is exceptional and the writing is amazing. And I wanted to like it. Yeah, I've definitely seen scenes from it that Alex shows me. So you got to see this monologue or something. It's it's beautiful. It's a great show. Yeah. I just can't really get into it. No, that's fair. Yeah, yeah it's very like specific. Um, Amy Brenneman. Yes. Do you know, she what has, else has she been in? She's like 
been in a lot of stuff. I now that I'm thinking about, it, I even know what I recognize her from. Mm-hmm. But she's um, she's awesome, and yeah, yes. the acting is really good. But anyway, I, so I've been watching that, and I've also been playing this video game called Firewatch. Oh, neat. Um, where you're a fire lookout at a national forest in like <gasps> Wyoming. What? Yeah, and and you just like wander around the national forest, like hiking around, like Fun. you know, like solving problems and. Um, I actually i I texted friend of the show and friend Lucas. Oh yeah, and I was like, "What's the deal with Firewatch? Is it sh- like is it good? Will I like it?" And he was like, "It's awesome." So great. I've been playing that and watching The Leftovers, and that's like all I've been doing. Can you watch for fires and watch The Leftovers? That would be amazing. Oh, okay. How um, how often does a fire break out? Um. Well. So far, there hasn't been a fire, but there's been like other like smaller crises. And you handle it. Pretty, I've handled it. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel pretty accomplished. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Oh, and the main character, you play this guy who's voiced by Rich Summer. Is that his name? Rich Summer? The guy who plays Harry in Mad Men? Yes. He yes. has like a great voice. Yes. Anyway, so my point is everything's been kind of shitty. So I've been doing, I've been just like escaping to other worlds. And that's what I'm doing. Can you play Firewatch like on the computer? Because I want to play it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'll, I'll, Can we I'll play together? It's kind of like a solo thing. Oh, okay. But it's like, oh, it's it so should fun. be a joint job. It, it should, should be like be. a buddy. That would be so like fun. C- we have CB radios and we're like, yeah. How are you doing, Sally? So yeah. 10 4, good buddy. <laughs> Someone invent that game so Catherine and I can play it together. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, should we get to a thing we did for self care? Uh, yeah. Or we did you want to show? No, I think we've jibber jabbered long enough. <laughs> we sure have. Okay. So, a thing we did for self care. Uh, I just wrote down trust my body when I was like, I'm feeling sick, Sally. I was right. Correct. So I called it as I saw it. Yeah, you did. Sally, what'd you do? Oh, okay. We're going brief. Um, I, we have a lot of, we have have long emails. Yeah, we have long emails and we just jibber jabbered the house down. I (laughs) wallowed. I wallowed. Like last week I was like, I feel terrible and I'm going to fucking feel terrible and I don't fucking care who knows. And then I got sick and I was like, well now I'm extra fucking pissed off. Mm -hmm. So I wallowed and then, um, I got to the tail end of where I felt like wallowing was useful. Um, so I, I, I did a couple meditations that were from that app. I use Insight Timer and you can like search by topic. So I was like empowering, stress, mm-hmm. relax. Um, and that really goddamn helped. That's great. No, that's great. Yeah. I'm glad. Thank you. Well, it's good to see you again. And I love your watch. Have Thank I complimented you. it before? No, it's new. Wait, where'd you get it? I got an Amazon. My other one broke. Like I kept replacing. So the watch is like $10 and the band kept breaking. And so I was like spending all this money to like replace the band on a $10 watch. It's Casio Digital. Yeah. So I just got a new watch and it's like gold. Would you hate me if I bought the same? No, please. Are you kidding me? I want the same exactly. Can you send me the link? Yes. I'm serious. It's going to happen. Thank you. I'll send it to you. All right. Well, that was the thing we did for self-care. So um, email number one, they want to be named whatever they, whatever we want. Mm-hmm. I say Casio. I don't know. Casio. Casio. Yes. <gasps> I want to get a dog and name it Casio. Oh, God. That's such a good idea. I know about you guys, but I'm exhausted. And I think it's my body's like, hey, Catherine, stop making requests of dogs because you're going to you're going to act on it today, aren't you? <laughs> oh, are you you're going to like I'm gonna get a dog. text me a picture of you with like Casio. the seven dogs you got. <laughs> They're all named Casio. <laughs> They're all named Casio. <laughs> Cassio 1980, Cassio 1981. <laughs> um, cool. So Cassio, great. Do you want to read it or shall I? Um, I can you, read. Yeah, do you mind reading? Not at all. Okay, cool. Dear Kate and Sally, this might be a long story, but I think details are important, so bear with me. Of course. I'll try to keep it as simple as I can. 
My boyfriend of seven years and I moved to a different city a little over a year ago. We met early on in college and were friends for a while before we started officially dating. He was and still is my best friend, and we have a deep connection. Like all relationships, we fall out of rhythm sometimes, but overall, I think we have a healthy and strong relationship. There is mutual love and respect, and we're normally pretty open communication-wise. However, the move has triggered some circumstantial stressors. We moved from the city where we met and have lived together for most of our relationship. We were happy in our old city, but I initiated the move because I thought we could use a new adventure. We felt comfortable there, but I was afraid comfort would lead to stagnancy. Plus, as a writer and an artist, we weren't finding a ton of opportunity there. Looking back, though, I'm seeing how much opportunity we passed up. You don't know what you got until it's gone is definitely true. Still, I'm proud of us for making the move because the intention was to learn and grow and progress ourselves. Progress ourselves? Progress ourselves. Things have been a lot different than I imagined them to be, though. I was able to find work relatively quickly. He, however, has not had the same luck. He's been unemployed for the entire time we've been here. We've also been living with his parents. That was the plan so that we could save money for once instead of living paycheck to paycheck to pay rent. Our plan was to save up for a year, however, because I am the only one working. We, have been, we haven't been able to save up much, and our time at his parents' place is obviously being extended. Also, the price of living is extremely high here compared to where we were before. I've had a hard time figuring out what to do and where to go from here. I've been supportive and patient and continually help him search for work. He goes through spurts where spouts. He goes through spouts where he is driven, but there are also days where he finds ways to distract himself and doesn't look as hard as he needs to be looking. I've struggled with how to be a good partner in this situation. At first, I didn't push, but eventually I had to be honest and let him know that this is really stressing me out. We had all these plans. We were going to find work we are passionate about, save money to travel or buy our own home, and maybe get engaged soon. I made the move feeling so hopeful, and honestly, now I feel kind of resentful. My emotions are all over the place. One week, I'm positive and patient and loving. The next, I'm literally up all night with anxiety. During these times, he's attentive and understanding, which makes it hard to be mad at him. But the truth is, I am really frustrated. I know he is processing feelings of shame because of all this, so I don't want to make it worse by saying it bluntly. So mostly, I've kept my frustration to myself until I can't take it anymore, and I am overflowing with anxiety and have to tell him. But now it just feels like a never-ending cycle. I'm the kind of person who, once there's a problem, I plan for every possible outcome. I've considered moving out just because I, for the first time ever, feel like maybe our relationship isn't so healthy. It's really important to me that we both be self-sustaining individuals. I feel like he is so comfortable with me that he's not pushing himself to claim his potential, focus, and do the hard work. He's completely rethinking his career now, which is fine. I just want him to choose and then go at it full force no matter what he decides. He has been rejected by places he's interviewed for, which I know is hard and a blow to someone's confidence. But as more time passes, I'm finding it harder to be empathetic because he is totally capable of finding something. Simply, I feel that if he were doing all he could, he'd have found something by now. At first, I encouraged him to hold out for something he was truly passionate about. His parents were urging him to work for his dad, and I hated that idea because it felt like selling out. Now I wouldn't care if he was bartending or something and doing his art on the side as long as he was working hard at it. I also think maybe I'm too hard on him sometimes because I am someone who is really hard on myself with certain things. Not that I am verbally or mentally abusive in any way. I just feel like maybe I internally judge him unfairly because I also do that myself to myself. 
Well, those are the basics. It's hard being in this situation in a new city where I don't have my usual support system. I could vent more, but this is the heart of the issue. We came here with momentum, and now it feels like we're totally stuck, and it makes me really sad. I don't want this to be the end of us. I feel like if we can get through it, it will make our bond even stronger, but I have my doubts, which makes me feel terrible. I can't do the work for him, and I feel like I'm enabling if I just wait around and watch him waste his potential. I appreciate any advice you guys have because I feel pretty lost. I haven't really been able to talk to anyone about it. You guys suggest therapy a lot, which I'm considering. Thank you so much for listening. Sincerely, Cassio. And they sent a picture of their dogs, which are adorable. Thank you, Cassio. They're adorable, and they look like they're sitting for an old-timey portrait that you would see like in a museum. Yes. Um, There's drapery. Yeah, there's drapery. It's amazing. Mm. Um, (laughs) So, okay, Cassio. Well, um, here's the thing. Excuse me. What I'm getting from your email is that like you're in the driver's seat for a lot of the decisions in your relationship, Um, like moving because you were worried that you'd be stagnant and um, feeling like he's going to be selling out if he takes a particular job Um, and, you know, feeling like he's not uh, like moving in the right direction. And it I can't tell if that's because you are mostly in the driver's seat or if it's just the way that you're presenting it in this particular email. But it's really hard from your email to get a sense of like what he's going through um, and like what his obstacles might be and what and just like what his experience has been of like moving and everything um, other than having a hard time finding work. And um, I'm, I'm wondering if like that's not in this email because you just were communicating something else to us or because you you aren't really as aware of like his experience of your whole situation as you are of like your experience of it. Um, so, I mean, have you talked, I mean, you said that you don't want to like talk to him. You've kept your frustration to yourself until you can't take it anymore and you're overflowing with anxiety. And that, I don't think that that counts as like sitting down and having a conversation with someone that's like, hey, we have some things that I think we need to figure out about our lives and our relationship. So if you haven't had that conversation, I definitely would. Um, I It's like in your email, I feel like the issue of him not finding work is like jumbled up with you thinking the relationship isn't working out and thinking about ending it. And I can't really tell why you like I I can't really tell like why those two things feel intertwined which is not to say that like um there aren't reasons that they could be intertwined but I don't I don't like understand them from the email you wrote so I guess like the thing that I would suggest is that you talk to him about the situation you guys are in and like have an open conversation about um I don't know, man. Like it just, you you know, you're saying that like you move, you guys moved because you thought maybe you'd be stagnant. Like did your partner, like, did he want to move? Um, How does he feel about having Mm. moved? Like I, it's like, it's pretty hard to, for me to figure out what your partner's role or sort of like experience is of all of these changes that you guys have gone through and I I'm wondering again if that's because you just didn't mention them here or if um 
it's because it hasn't really like come up between the two of you. And if it's the latter, I would say that you guys should definitely have some conversations about it. Whew. That was long. Sorry. Yeah. Catherine. No, no, that's a lot. Thank you. Uh, everything you said. Um, I'm going through this. I also wanted to say, I guess, as a little um, put a thumbtack in it. Is mm, that a thing? Sure. You don't have to suffer to be an artist. First of all, um, I know that you said a couple times that working for his dad would have been, you know, selling out. I, I, I hope you know, I mean, if you haven't listened to past the entire catalog of Struggle Bus, and I've said this before, I used to work at a hedge fund uh, for a hot second. And by that, I mean like six years because I needed to save money and pay off things. And I was the most um, prolific, I think, because I had a sense of I wasn't worried about where's my next paycheck coming from. Now, currently, I live not paycheck to paycheck per se, but I also am like working very long days and doing a lot of amazing things and one's like you've did it you've got it you're living this artist's life but I will tell you right now that it is real hard and it doesn't you can still be an artist and also be working a day job you know um there's nothing wrong with that so if that is the case please you know don't be so hard on yourselves but I I'm looking at this email and I, I realize that you are you know you care about this person very much obviously you love them you want to do all these things but um, I think that your, I know how to put this, but your goals of the future are hard period, whether or not you're in a relationship or not. And I think you are being very hard on yourself and your partner. I think you're mad at your partner. I'm sort of reading into this that so you're really frustrated. Um, and I think if you do have access to therapy, that's a good place to start unpacking what's going on with you. Because listen, there's a ton of reasons to be mad at somebody, but at the end of the day, I always have to look inward of why I got so activated at a specific totally. thing. And I think that that's going to be really important to explore for the future of your relationship, but also the future of you, Cassio. You know, this is, um, for all intents and purposes, you guys are doing okay. You know, it's it's not the worst thing in the world, but you're already creating ideas in your head that you're failing at. I'm going to read the sentence. You know, we were going to find work we're passionate about, save money to travel, or buy our own home and maybe get, get engaged soon. I turn 42 in three weeks, and I have done very few of these things, and not because I didn't want all these things, but life takes you places, mm -hmm. and um, you can set a goal, but it's sometimes hard to know how life's going to pan out. So for, you know, start right there. You, you just don't know what's going to happen. You're unhappy where you are. It sounds like your partner is. I think a discussion is very much... Um, that needs to happen, but I also hope you can listen to them too, because, um, you, maybe you don't know what's going on. Being home could be weird for them. Maybe, you know, I, being home for me, my, uh, boyfriend's like, oh, I really get you when you're home because mm. I turn into a different person, you know? Yeah, and, totally. and that's one thing. I mean, there's a, a litany of things. Um, definitely a conversation is in order. And I want you to look at you, Cassio. Why are you being so hard on them? Are you still be being so hard on you? Are you happy? It's okay if you're not happy. You don't have to be happy in your mm -hmm. relationship, but then what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And you don't, you're not the boss of this person. I think you know that, but you want them to be motivated. You can't wish that upon somebody. Mm -hmm. That's not fair. You, you, if you really want to have things go forward, your partner's going to have to decide how to motivate themselves. You can only ask for so much. Mm -hmm. And there comes a point where you might be asking for things that are impossible to wish upon another person. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, and like I, I think that like if I were in your situation, I would be really frustrated. Um, you know that I was the only one earning a paycheck, and that all these goals that I had with my partner weren't coming together because they weren't saving money, um, er earning money, and able to save money. I think it's like totally fair for you to be angry and resentful about that. I just. 
I think that if you don't communicate that to your partner and don't make a plan for how to address that, um, it's like not you're you're not you're not really giving your partner a chance to like correct the situation. Um, if you already have talked about it and they're not changing, you're not happy. Then I understand why you're like thinking about ending the relationship. But it it just from your email, it doesn't seem like you guys have talked about this a lot. And so I think that the first thing to do is ha- just have a really honest conversation where you say how you're feeling and also invite your partner to tell you how he's really feeling and like how he feels about having made the move. And like, you know, maybe he, maybe you guys have anger and resentment at each other, you know, and maybe you you can um, like talk through it. And I also definitely think therapy is always a good idea. So uh, get into it. Yeah. And listen, you know, again, I don't know exactly the situation, but it's easy to project your own fears and, and things about yourself onto other people. And when you're in close proximity to someone all the time, it could even be a pet. You know, there's times where I looked at my dog and I was like, is he depressed? Um, and, you know, think about what you've said. And I, I maybe it's OK to have feelings of anger or fear or insecurity yourself. Um, and so, yeah, therapy, 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 therapy. Yep. Yeah. I second that emotion. Let us know, Casio. Yeah. Keep us posted how it goes. OK, so the next email we got. Uh, heads up, people. We were a little behind. Normally we're not this behind. But this person wrote in Christmas Eve. But we're, we're, we're catching up. behind. Uh, yeah, we, we like to give you a good four to six week window to, uh, <laughs> see if you change your mind about wanting us to give you advice. Yeah. Um, they want us to pick the name. Do we they, stay they with do. the digital Cassio situation? Yeah. Should we just do like Timex? <gasps> yeah. Okay, yes! cool. Timex. I was going to say, what's the name of that, that watch company that everyone had? Baby G? No. Remember those though? Yes. Timex. Um, oh, Swatch? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's much no, better. No, Timex. Timex? Yeah. Okay, okay, fair. Yeah. Um, okay, this is from Timex. Better than Swatch. Um, <laughs> hi there, Kate and Sally. <laughs> I had a Swatch that I loved, but do you know that those things tick so loud? I know. That I had to like put it in the other room at night. Oh my God. No one needs I just a love Watch them. to check that loud. You're naming them after Watch. I know, it's great. I'm really glad that this is where this we've is come wonderful. to. Everything has led to this point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you, Harry Potter universe. <laughs> yeah, right? Get out of here, Buffy. <laughs> okay. Uh, hi there, Kate and Sally. I'm writing this email to you on Christmas Eve in the guest bedroom of my family home. Oh, sorry. Wait. Content note. This Mm. email will mention verbal and racist abuse, alcoholism, and PTSD. Okay. I'm writing this email to you on Christmas Eve in the guest bedroom of my family home. To give you a little bit of context, I grew up in a place pretty far away from the city, which is where I live now. It's about two and a half hours away from the central business district, and as you could imagine, it is pretty rural and cut off from many services. But distance aside, the main reason why I can't stand to visit home is because of my stepdad. I moved away for university when I was about 19 years old. My stepdad and I have always had our differences, but these became more evident and cemented the older I got. My mom is a first-generation Chinese migrant, and my stepdad is a white Australian. He is also a fair bit older than my mom by over 10 years, which, when you really think about it, isn't all that out of the ordinary. But when people see them together or hear how they are described, people often assume my mom was a mail-order bride, quote-unquote. I can attest to the fact that their marriage wasn't built on that kind of basis, but that isn't to say there aren't some fucked-up power dynamics in their relationship. 
As a teenager, I would often hear him verbally abusing my mom, telling her to, quote unquote, fuck off back to China and to speak English, quote unquote. Most of their arguments were about his alcoholism and his reluctance to stop drinking, despite the many health conditions it was actively worsening. His behavior was often foul when he drank, and he would be more of a nuisance at home. For example, yelling for people to fetch him things. This understandably stressed my mom out, but when she tried to confront him with his behavior, he would often turn to personal attacks that were highly gendered and racialized. He would tell my mom that, quote, she would have nothing without him and his money, and that she had no right to tell him what to do because he pays for the mortgage. All of these attacks were far from the truth, as my mom also worked and helped to provide for the family. English is my mom's second language, and I could always see how hard it was for her to get a point across in these arguments. Often she would be in hysterics, and they would be swearing at each other back and forth. But the thing is, I don't remember these arguments ever getting really bad until I began dating in my mid-teens. My stepdad became more intrusive and paranoid, and this would often result in huge household arguments. On one occasion, he had gotten upset about the amount of time my boyfriend at the time was over at our house. He called him an, a an Asian racial slur and threatened to attack him. <laughs> In complete shock, I called the police and my mom tried to calm him down, but we ended up taking emergency, emergency shelter at a friend's house while the whole situation settled down. Being part of and overhearing these arguments was really hard as a teenager, and it became clear that he had developed a very warped perception of myself and my mom. In his eyes, he is the king of the house, without whom we would all be suffering. I moved out of home when I found the arguments completely unbearable, and it was the best decision of my life. I now live a fairly stable life with my supportive boyfriend and communicate with my stepdad mostly through Facebook Messenger. In the past, he would call me nonstop to ask about my personal life, but I felt completely smothered and as though my privacy was being invaded. I began to ignore his calls, and after a while, he gave up. To be honest, hearing the onslaught of his sometimes racist and sexist verbal assaults has really changed my perception of him. I've tried to keep in mind that he is an old war veteran who has an abundance of traumas himself, including PTSD and depression. He lost his mother at age three and was separated from his family in Catholic foster care during the 1950s, and he has had multiple strokes, which severely limit how able-bodied he can be. I don't want to believe he is an inherently bad person because I don't think there are inherently bad people. I think he has become who he is because of his experiences and circumstances, but that doesn't give him a free pass to harm others. My mom has always told me to treat him as though he's sick and to not take things too personally. She feels bad about his ailing body and continues to care for him by cooking and cleaning, though she tries to spend a, ton of, a lot of time away from home in the supportive company of her girlfriends. When I come home, he will often purposely try to push my buttons by bringing up topics relating to gender, racism, and sexuality. I've told him time and time again that I have different views and that I don't wish to talk about these things with him because it upsets me. However, he repeatedly ignores my boundaries and aggressively crosses them. When I tell him that I will stop talking to him if he c continues pressuring me, he says, well, it's clear I'm not wanted here and slinks away to try to make me feel bad. Basically, I'm at a loss because one part of me really wants to be empathetic towards him. He has had a really rough life, and I imagine drinking heavily helped absolve him of many of his traumas, if only temporarily. He's also quite sick, and I'm wrestling with the guilt of not visiting him very often and leaving mom with all the responsibility of caring for him. There's also a part of me that deeply wants to listen to his story and to understand him a bit better, but both him and I have constructed huge walls around ourselves, and communication honestly seems futile at this point. I also can't seem to forgive and forget the things he has said and inflicted upon my mom and I. 
I guess I'd love to know if you have any advice on how to accept that toxic parents probably have their own unresolved traumas which have shaped them. How to live with yourself knowing that a parent is getting sicker, but past negative experiences stand in the way of making amends. Mm-hmm. Honestly, any thoughts or insights would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for reading this email. I'm grateful for the time you've taken to digest to digest and respond to this. Timex. Timex. That's so well written, Timex. I hope you hear that back and hear how well you presented the situation because it sounds to me like you um, not want to be absolved, but want to know it's okay to feel anger and yeah. It's okay to feel all these things towards him. I think you are a very kind and um, caring person. And you're definitely, I wish everyone had your kind of uh, ability to see who the person is and what made them. But at the end of the day, the person is who they are. And it sounds to me like it's up to them to change. And right now you're dealing with having this person in your life. Sorry. So Timex, I don't know how, if you've heard that much of the show, again, going back to the archives, but I have a father who is alive. Um, by all intents and purposes, he's very, he, I mean, he, I don't want to say should not be, but he's very old. Um, and as far as I know, he is still alive. And we do not speak. It's tough. I'm not saying you need to do that. That's a very extreme way of, of dealing with things. However, there is a way in which you can set a boundary and not feel guilty about it. Um, you know, your question is, how do I, you know, accept that toxic parents probably have... Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. It's very hard and it's very easy to excuse people. Oh, this person had this. And I honestly, yeah, I'm, I, my dad's had a rough life. I've definitely thought about that. Um, and it sounds like he's just been had a rough, very rough go. Unfortunately, his behavior is hurting you and your mom. But for right now, let's take care of you. So if you're not in therapy, obviously, that's a good start. But I'm letting you know, Timex, that it's absolutely OK to feel anger And there is nothing wrong with not seeing the person as often or setting boundaries. If you feel guilty, I get it. That may happen. But please think about what this person is doing to you and your emotional well-being. And think about going in down the future. If you have kids or friends or whatever your life is, you don't want this weighing on you either, right? You want to start cleansing that toxicity. And it starts with looking inward and realizing maybe you're angry and maybe you're you know, upset or or sad or who knows. But right now, um, you have to take care of you. You know, people have had rough things happen to them in the entire world. It's tough, but it's okay to be mad and it's okay to set boundaries, Sally. Yeah, I I agree with everything Catherine just said. Um, I think that I mean, you you said you want advice on how to accept that toxic parents probably have their own unresolved traumas, which have shaped them. I feel like you already understand that and you already know it. Mm. I mean, you've set really good boundaries like you try not to go home. You don't you only communicate with him over messenger. You tell him, you know, verbally, like, I'm not going to talk about this with you. Like you, you know, uh, you're doing all the things you need to do to protect yourself from him. Um And it sounds like you fully have like you have a fully like integrated understanding of how he's gotten to be the way he is. Um, And that, I think, is like actually the hardest thing to do, like those two things, like creating boundaries and just accepting the fact that like your parents are the people they are. Um, I think those are the hardest things to do. And I I think that um, 
from there, I, I I agree that it is about like processing and like living with the fact that this is just the way it is. Um, and honestly, like I really think that happens in therapy. Um, and, you know, maybe a group would be good too, like yes. talking, you know, like talking to other people who are in similar situations with their parents. But um, I think this is the kind of thing where um, it's and I feel like you're, you're sort of alluding to this where it's not really about fixing something with your stepdad it's more about like just coming to a feeling of like relative um peace for lack of a better word with like what the situation is um and that i think is like something that takes just a lot of processing and reflecting with the therapist and i also like i'm also just like wondering if um like you didn't really mention i know you feel a lot of like sympathy for your mom and bad for what she's gone through but i i just wouldn't be surprised if there was also some stuff in there mm. about like anger for like maybe like putting you through this dude's treatment um and also like continuing to care for him even though he's terrible to her and i'm not trying to tell you how you feel and i don't mean to be more inside your head than um you want me to be um because you didn't really mention that in the email but i just i i feel like sometimes um when you have a situation, well, I'll speak from experience and like, and like when I, when all of my feelings, um, of like discontent or anger or whatever are like focused on one person, it, it's, it's usually because it, it, it's like, it's quote unquote easiest to focus it all on that person. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's actually, it's like harder to come to terms with being angry, angry and having feelings of anger at like another person. Um, and so I just I imagine that that might also come up if you were to like talk about this in therapy. But again, that's just a guess and I'm projecting onto you and I don't mean to be too too up in your business, but that's just like one observation. Yeah. You know, I've been thinking a lot about my uh, best friend. What happened? There's hair on the microphone. It's like a fuzz. Oh, fine. Um, my best friend in, from elementary school, Rachel. Hey, if you're listening. Hey, Rachel. Um, I was thinking a lot about her recently and I forget exactly why, but. She also has – she was first estranged from her father. At a young age, I think 9 or 10 she she was. I'm not quite sure exactly the age. But I remember when she sat me down in the cubby in elementary school and was like, hey, heard about the divorce. And I was like, yeah. Because, you know, my parents are getting divorced. She's like, uh, so like, how you doing? I was like, I don't know. Things are whatever. And then when I stopped talking to my dad, she was really there for me. At a young age, in mm. hindsight, she's like – anything you want to talk about or whatever wow. okay, i know Rachel. okay 10 year do you say 10 year old i mean very we were young wow okay yeah and yeah because i stopped talking to him when i was oh, well he stopped talking to me Let, who are we kidding <laughs> <laughs> let's just get that let's right let's just get that right but it was really you know hearing her talk about it and you know the stuff that you know it's, it's a tough decision no matter what age um but that helped me so when he said group therapy things or just like even online it just so helps to talk mm -hmm. to someone else about it it really makes a difference and I think it made a huge difference I actually am very really grateful I probably owe her a phone call <laughs> um I'm just thinking about that and how much that yeah that was that's great advice too and I and listen you you've basically laid it all out here Timex it's it's there you know he's abusive I think just the toughest part is recognizing that it is okay to continue on with your life and keep boundaries because it really really sucks but there's only so much you can do um to help this person and it's not your job and um 
you got to help you first. And I want to make sure you can thrive in this world and be the best you can be. Um, so don't feel guilty. A lot of people have boundaries with family members, you know, myself included. And I, and I shared the story about my dad not to one up anyone like, well, I actually don't talk to him, but just to share with you that that's the thing that I, you know, that I did and that I still struggle with. But I will say I was going to struggle either way. I'd rather struggle with it and not have the toxicity than struggling with it and having the toxicity. It's a really good point. Yeah. You never not struggle with it, but it depends on, but, but it comes down to how would you rather struggle with or without more of it? Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Timex, I think you're crushing it. Um, you're already handling the shit out of this situation. And I think there are just some like next level steps you can take to like feel better um, or feel, I don't know, better, feel yeah, better. Um, but keep us posted. Let us know how it goes. Um, it's been a while since Christmas Eve. So um, yeah. do write back and let us know if you want to. Yeah. Aww. Um, I, aw. Okay. So. Catherine. Yes. I have to go to work, so we have to wrap <gasps> it up. Let's do it. Okay, so hey, listen, we're so sorry the episode is late. We really were really sick, you guys. We, <laughs> we would have preferred to have recorded yeah. earlier and had this out there. But um, hey, if you want to tweet at us, you can at StrugglebusPod. Email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. StrugglebusPodcast.com. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. All of the things. Sally, song of the week. The song of the week is the wonderful 1988 single Jane Says by Jane's Addiction. Um, I think it was on Nothing Shocking, mm. but I'm not their album, Nothing Shocking. This is like one of my favorite songs, and I was obsessed with it when I was in high school. And uh, I heard it again recently on like some sort of Spotify playlist mm. of like alternative hits of the 80s and 90s. Hello. And uh, I was reacquainted with how <laughs> amazing it is. So Jane's get into it. Swinging. She can't hit. Nice. Love it. Oh, wow. That was really good. Actually. Thank you. Yeah. I have a great voice today. You, yeah. Oh, it's I don't really have any good voice. voiceover auditions, though. Should I remedy Damn that? <laughs> Can, why don't you just like record some commercials yourself? I'm going to do that. Yeah. Here's some copy. No reason. Timex and Casio, they're back. <laughs> <laughs> done and done. done. Um, I just high five myself. You did. I loved it. Thank you. All, All right. right. Hey, thank you. Oh, um, thank you so much for listening. How do we end the show? That sounded right. Okay. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. Jane says, I'm done with Sergio.